Welcome to Curito Connects. I'm your host, Jen, and I've been conversing with friends around the world about life challenges and impactful moments. Conversations on this platform look at answering the questions, how we overcome challenges and how our experiences shape who we are and the work we do today. I hope this work can inspire you on your own personal and individual journey. Let's dive right in. Hello, my guest today is Brenda Lynn, a writer, mother, wife, daughter, and brand manager of Les Enfants. I feel like I have to pronounce it with that French accent. It was was perfect. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Uh, Second generation Taiwanese children branded family business. Hi, Brenda. Hi, Jen. (laughs) Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, too. Okay, that was a mouthful. Um, I'm so honored to have Brenda here with me today on Curito Connects to share with us her own personal journey about homecoming, the balance between working and motherhood, which is such an important topic, and how her passion and love for writing fits into her work in the family business. So Brenda, without further ado, I'd love for you to jump right in and see where your storytelling takes us today. All right, Jen, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I started out thinking what I wanted to talk about today, and um, homecoming has been on my mind a lot. Um, this is, as you know, we I grew up like you in Taiwan, um, and I left to go to college. And once I left, you know, I was away for 20 years and never intended to come home. It was kind of never in my plans. Like never, never, even though you grew up here? Like never, never, because I think a lot of it has to do with um, the time that I grew up in, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm a good bit older than you. I'm at least 10, maybe 12 years older. Um, So I grew up in Taiwan in the bulk of, like mainly in the 80s and very early 90s. And that was a time when, um, you know, the U.S. was still kind of, you know, global superpower, and we were all, um, I don't know, intoxicated by, you know, anything that's American and Western, right? right? right. Yeah. Um, and I think that my love for home in Taiwan was very automatic and not, not thoughtful, right? In that it was true, but very general. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't very articulately say... Um, very much about Taiwanese history. Um, culture was always just filtered through my parents. And um, the trajectory was always westward. Right. Like your experience of Taiwan was through the lens of your parents almost, right? Like yeah. you didn't, you know, you didn't know where things were or even like geographically or like what was Taiwan known for. It was probably if someone asked you, you probably would not have been able to answer. Exactly. Right? Yeah. I think I, I would agree with that comment. <laughs> really? So yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, yeah. And we, I mean, we also are where our school is, which is in the suburbs of mm-hmm. Taipei, uh, and school schedule so busy. A lot of us didn't even really get to know downtown. You know, I think I, I only got to know our Taipei after I moved back from college. Exactly. Right. To yeah. really experience it. So mm-hmm. I, I definitely can relate to that statement. Yeah. Yeah. And I think maybe to a certain extent that's true of anybody's home, right? Because your experience of it as um, a child or as an adolescent is so different from your experience of it as an adult, right? Independent of your family. 
Yeah, I mean, so anyway, with that kind of, um, I mean, it was so much so that um, I grew up without a Taiwanese citizenship, right? And my parents never thought that it was necessary to, you know, to apply for one. And so, um, so I only ever had an American passport, right? Um, so anyway, going to the States for college and then graduate school and then, um, you know, then my husband and I um, moved to Singapore, then Hong Kong. Um, you know, even when we moved to Asia, Taiwan wasn't an immediate kind of at the top of the list Choice. destination. No, it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't, um, which is so interesting. I think, you know, maybe part of it is because also... Um, there's this idea of, I guess when you're young too, you just want to explore, right? And you want to, you want to define what home is for yourself, mm -hmm. um, first and foremost, right? Um, and we were not finished exploring yet. Um, so the notion of Taiwan came, you know, after we had spent some time in Hong Kong and it was, it had become pretty clear by then we had three very young children and it had become very clear that it just was not an ideal place to raise three young kids. Um, and so I remember we spent a lot of time, we used to live, um, in the mid levels and, um, we would take morning walks up this hill mm -hmm. and we would just discuss, you know, should we move to Taiwan? You know, if we don't move to Taiwan, where would we go? And we were not ready to move back, um, you know, to the U S which was still kind of at the back of our minds that's kind of where we would end up uh -huh. eventually you right, know in the right. kind of you know you still wanted your adventure yeah with yeah with three little kids yeah <laughs> and at that yeah exactly so um you know we were like are we ready to go home what what does it mean if we move to Taiwan what are we gonna do um you know you know that I have a family business here and at the when I lived in Hong Kong I was involved in a very at a remove yeah, but I, I was starting to become involved, and so um, I was also I was also writing at the time, and so for me too, it was a I had to ask myself, am I if I move home, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of get deeper, right? Um, and am I ready? Um, but you also didn't have to, right? Yeah, you're right. You always have a choice. You always have a choice. That's true. And my parents are, um, they're quite open and progressive. And when we were growing up, neither, I have an older brother, neither of us ever, I don't feel, at least I don't think that we received explicit pressure to take on the family business, even though I think that we know that kind of in their heart of hearts, it would be quite wonderful if we did. Right. <laughs> yeah. So you're right, Jen. Like, I don't have to, but um, but I think I would feel bad if I didn't try. Right. Yeah. Right. And so it was like this decision that I had to make. Um, so after many walks, um, my husband and I decided, you know what, let's just try it like any other place. Right. 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 Um, let's do it together. And, um, you know, I mean, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, right? right. It'll always be home, right? right? Um, right. A home that you can, you know, visit. Because mom, mom right? and dad are here. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. They're the anchor. Yeah. So just kind of rewinding a little bit, um, your husband is not Asian, correct? Correct. Yeah. And so what was that like for him, you know, to be a part of this decision making and you know his role in it too mm. kind of going like okay well yeah you know brenda's parents are in taiwan and you know if we do this move she's gonna get you know 
deeper involved with the family business, mm-hmm. you know, where would he position himself in, in the equation, right. you know, and that's a conversation that, you know, many couples have to make, right? Yeah, in terms true. of the, the, the role each person plays and the support to give to one another and etc. Yeah. Right? yeah, I mean, I think, so um, my husband and I met when we were still in college. Um, so, you know, we had been together for many, many years already. And so it, in the way, like whenever I would come home for summers or holidays, he would come home with me. Right. Mm -hmm. And he, um, you know, he kind of, I feel like, um, he got to know all my friends from growing up. And so he was this, like, um, we used to joke that he's like, uh, honorary. honorary, Exactly. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So for him, um, there's a lot of familiarity. Um, you know, and, and he loves Taiwan. Um, but I would say that, um, for him too, it was less pressure, right? Like the, the kind of adventure, the sense of adventure is still very much there. Mm -hmm. Um, when we got married, I remember my dad told me, he was like, you know, I think it would be easiest, uh, for, for you after you get married, um, to choose a third neutral place Mm -hmm. to live, to make your home, you know, because then there's no pressure on either one of you, right, to play host all the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, Wise words from dad. Right? (laughs) I know. So I will say that our first year back, it was a lot of pressure on me um, to figure things out. Um, Not to say, I mean, you know, my husband's very... Supportive. uh, Very super supportive, super hands-on, you know, but... But there's um, always that internal. yeah, 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 because it is... You know, it is your home, and my anchor is here, my family's here. Um, I can offer so much more support, right? Um, but offering support also means that you do a lot of a lot more of the legwork, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, so I think the first year was definitely it was quite difficult, I have to say. Um, and yeah, would you say when you think back on all the different things you've done in your early earlier days <laughs> that this particular move, you know, was one of the more difficult ones that you've had to do, right? Not just for the move, but just with the three kids, you know, and they're still little, so they also need a lot of attention and time. Navigating your parents, you know, mm-hmm. having been away for 20 years and figuring that out, mm-hmm. and then also your husband, and then your social, you know, I mean, that's a, that's a lot of things. It, it's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. I think, yeah, I think it was difficult. I'm not sure if it was the most difficult the Hong Kong years were pretty tough but um but I will say I feel like and I'm sure you would agree that um oftentimes the most difficult things are the most meaningful yeah and yeah and so I I think you know because even if even though I felt there was a lot I had to do to kind of get my family settled on our own terms right um (laughs) at the end of the day I definitely felt like um you know, I felt very lucky because yeah. kind of have it all, right? Yeah. I have my own family here and, um, you know, and my, my parents are here and, you know, so, um, yeah. What was the sweet spot of, you just mentioned earlier, uh, settling and starting your own home? Like, mm. can you go into that a little bit? I when, think I think our audience might enjoy this one, right? Because <laughs> those who can relate are kind of like, okay, I'm moving back. Not living with my parents, you know, not yeah. making my, my wife or my husband move in, you know. So yeah. how did you 
negotiate or navigate, yeah, that, so to speak? I think that you nailed it in not living with your parents. Um, so when we first moved back, of course, we lived with my parents, right, um, to get our bearings. Um, it wasn't really our plan to, that wasn't our long-term plan, but it was our situation for the short term. And um, my parents and I have a great relationship and they have a great relationship with my husband as well and they adore my kids. But still, right, when you wake up every morning in your pajamas, you just want to be in pajamas, like with your kind of nearest and dearest. Do you know what I mean? Like you don't want to have to, you know. That's how your parents are your nearest and dearest as well. Yeah. <laughs> when you're five. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, you know, I mean, we definitely, we kind of started looking at places really early on and, um, and I think we, uh, decided on, uh, living close to school, right. which is, um, quite a distance from where my parents live. Mm -hmm. Um, and we were actually about to sign, um, for an apartment, you know, um, when my mom said, Oh, actually, there's this house that just came up. Do you want to just go take a look? You know? So we're like, yeah, sure. So you, you like me, I'm a city girl. I grew up in apartments my entire life. Yeah, yeah. Right. And I love knowing that there's somebody else living next door to me. Right. Like maybe some of them have a doorman. Yeah, exactly. Yes. yes exactly. You, you know, can ding dong your neighbor. If you don't have milk in your fridge right? for your coffee. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, exactly. So you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, so we go look at this house and we walk in and immediately my husband's like, this is it, right? This is the place. And there's a yard and I've never lived in a house, at least not that I remember. I did when I was really young living in the States with, um, you know, before I was four. So I don't have real memories of that. Um, so that was a real game changer. I think having that physical space. Yeah. Um, my husband grew up, you know, in houses. He grew up in San Diego, um, you know, like next to the ocean and, you know, with space and with a view, right? Yeah. Whereas I grew up... You're like, with, I see the next building. I see another window yeah. and that gives me comfort, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I re like even, you know, even in grad school in New York City, I remember... Oh, yeah. Yeah, my building would look into kind of the courtyard with, you know, kind of facing three yeah, other, other buildings. buildings yeah. And you can see the neighbor. Yeah, and I love the I love kind of spying on them and seeing the all little stories that are unfolding in every single apartment. It was some there's something very I don't know, so human about it. But anyway, so yes. So for me, that was a huge... Oh, wow. Yeah. And yeah. You, I mean, renovation work? Right? No, no, no. I mean, oh, okay. we, we so, you know, it's just okay, it's a okay. rental. But okay, um, okay. yeah, so I would say that um, was a game changer for both of us, right? So for my husband, he felt like, okay, we can live here, but not have to feel kind of the... Um, I don't know the physical limitations yeah, yeah, yeah. of like yeah. you know urban living yeah, yeah, right yeah, yeah. um but then this is my favorite you can walk five minutes to the nearest 7-eleven right which is very important <laughs> so best of both worlds 7-eleven is very important yeah. if you're in taiwan you know you can get everything done at 7-eleven exactly <laughs> Yeah, so I feel like like you're asking, you know, what what was the moment where when things kind of opened up? Um, I think that was it, and and then it felt like okay, we're gonna start to define, um, you know, how we're gonna raise our children um, in Taiwan. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. How do you feel that like when you look back? Because I mean, this is uh, what you say, thirteen years ago, right? When you made that decision to when to you... move here. Actually, this is our ninth year here. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Nine. I yeah. just I just added extra years for you. <laughs> <That's> okay, <laughs> but but when you 
guys went back and you, when you were navigating all that, um, what were some of the things that really helped keep you grounded during those times of like, I mean, we don't have to say difficulties, but mm-hmm. like, you know, like challenges. So like working with your parents, you mm-hmm. know, um, working in a Taiwanese company, you know, is there, was there like language barriers, mm-hmm. dealing with your staff, you know, um, mental wise in terms of like communication. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of these very crucial elements mm-hmm. that kind of make it or break it for a lot of people, some who may be listening to this episode, uh, who really relate to in terms of like, so why am I still here? Mm-hmm. You know, or like, yeah. like when we talk about choices, it's like, and kind of like you said earlier, you and you and your husband and your kids came out here kind of to test it out, mm-hmm. see if it would work, you yeah. know, because maybe it doesn't work. And then right. you would have packed up your bags again and then moved elsewhere or moved back to the States because mm-hmm. like, there's always that option. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, how did you guys kind of, yeah. or for you personally too, how did you how kind did of you like, you know, yeah. Anchored. So for me, um, so writing is a really big part of my life. Um, and I write every day. Um, it may not always be towards something, but it's a daily practice, right? Um, so I think that that, when you ask, you know, what my anchor was during that time, or even, you know, right now, it's, it's writing. Um, but I will say that, yeah, um, going back to when I recall the early years, coming home and, you know, because I studied English and writing in school, language is a huge part of who I am, right? And how, you know, and how anyone communicates. When I first came home, my Chinese just had gone to, Out the window. oh my gosh, it was <laughs> <Goodbye>. like, <laughs> yes, it was awful. I remember sitting in a meeting once um, with my brother, my, you know, I work with my brother and um, I was speaking in Chinese, stumbling over my words, not being able to find them. I mean, they had just disappeared, right? And he um, slips this paper across the table to me. And I looked down, and, and he had written the words, what the hell happened to your Chinese? <laughs> you know? And I, yeah, and I felt so, yeah. So, so my first couple years um, working in the family, I felt, honestly, I felt very stupid. Right, um, or like crippled, because you're I like, did. I don't understand what's going on. Yeah, it, it would take me forever to craft an email. Um, you know, I couldn't form complete sentences in Chinese. Um, and I felt really frustrated, because I felt like, I am not the stupid. I'm just stupid in my mother tongue, which made me feel even worse, mm. right? Um, and then I was talking to a friend who also, he's a few years older than I am, and he's also kind of involved in the family business. Um, his Chinese is, you know, like mine, right? Mm. When I first moved back, and I asked him how he dealt with it, and he just, he gave me a great answer. He was like, just own it, right? Own your hybridity, Um that's, That's what I do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I absolutely do that. Until yeah. this day, my mother will still tell me, you know, like, please go improve your Chinese. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I'm already like in my mid-30s <laughs> and I've taken so many Chinese classes. Yeah. I've had so many tutors and I just can't get it down. <laughs> I know. And I just tell people, I, I mean, when we, I think when we speak, people know. Mm-hmm. And, and the way we look, mm-hmm. right? They're like, oh, are you are, are you ABC? Did you just come back from the States? You know, right. and, I, and I honestly just tell people, like, 
you know, like, well, how is I'm, you know, I'm so sorry. Like, is it okay if I just write to you in English? Right. And you are more than welcome to write to me in Chinese. Thanks to technology now, I can Google Translate. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's how yeah. I do things. I have not, I have never even thought of that. Um, okay. But new yeah. trick for you. Yeah, thank you. No. But I will say, actually, no, because I'm such a, like, I do also feel like because our upbringing in Taiwan, you know, we're brought up to be guai, right? You know, and so... So you really wanted to know I it. did. I did. And I, I have worked really hard, and I did. I actually even started to write in Chinese, and then I... For, and before... So I write, like, this... Um, in, we have like an in-house magazine just for our staff, you know, and I'll, I have a like a seasonal column and I used to, what I would do is write it in English and then translate it, right, loosely and then have my mom edit it. And then I was like, no, this is not good enough. I need to learn how to think in Chinese because you think differently and you, you write differently, yeah. right? Um, a lot of people, like the kind of age-old question of bilinguals is like, are you the same person in... Mm you know, in English slash Chinese or whatever language you speak, right? Right, right. And I think, um, I feel like my answer would be, I, I don't know what you would say to that, but I think you're a little bit different. I think so. Right? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, because like language is culture it and there's is. certain ways yeah. that you might or might not respond to certain situations, Yeah. right? Yeah, so anyway, um... I mean, I just we're talking about going back to kind of the anchor, right? So I think the writing. anchor would always be writing, right? right Trying to yeah. figure out like, you know, how to be okay with whatever, where I, wherever I am on that spectrum of hybridity, right? And I think it shifts for us all the time. It mm -hmm. still does it for me right. today, right? Even though I feel like nine years later, my Chinese is so much, like better. it's much better. Mm -hmm. Still not perfect, but whatever, right? It'll... Well, I mean, yeah. you did a you did a recording in Chinese, right? I did. Yeah, and I listened to that. Yes, yeah. I did. I, I had to prepare a lot so for it. It came a long way. You could do an interview in Chinese. That's yeah. really good. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> pat yourself on the <laughs> uh, Going back to writing as your, you know, kind of like that's for you, like very meditative, mm -hmm. and it's uh, your daily practice. What kind of routine do you do normally for mm -hmm. your writing? Is it do you, is it like a specific time of the day you do, or is it kind of like whenever you have a thought, you're, you know, you mm -hmm. write, and I guess your traditional way of doing it is more pen and paper, right? Yes. You don't do like the, I'll take out my phone and put words down on. I don't normally, I mean, if I'm in a pinch and that's right. all I have, then right. yes, um, but I am a pen and paper type of person. Um, so do you have like a stack of all your journals? I like do. Collected I do. And saved over the years? And yeah. do you like... Go back to it sometimes. Yeah, and, that's know, a like, all good question. Like, you know, it's it's like great archival stuff. Like you I can, know. I'm like right now, I'm just going how oh, you can write a book about some part of you know the yeah. journaling over the years, because <laughs> um, that's in itself is an art form, right? And that in itself is also you. That's that's your life's work basically in mm. those journals. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that I write it for any purpose, honestly. Um, I've been keeping a journal since I was nine. And, um, but for the last, I would say, you know, I mean, since becoming a mother anyway, my daily practice is I wake up, um, I do a little yoga to kind of just get, I feel like yoga opens up my pores, right? And opens up my mind. And also like, um, you know, that space when you've just woken up, but you're not, you haven't turned on any lights yet. There's something very kind of magical and liminal about that space. So I like to be in that space. And after a little yoga, then I sit down and write. Mm. 
And, um, and like I said, it's not, you know, usually that the writing I do at that time is just very free. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just kind of writing to, um, to put down on paper and I'm not trying to make sense of anything. I'm just, just putting it somewhere. Mm. Um, and then I'll have, I'm usually, you know, writing more kind of organized pieces mm-hmm. and that's writing that I'll do like in the daytime, in mm-hmm. the daylight. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and since becoming a mother, like my writing style has become, or my working style has become very fragmented just because that's, Yeah. That's how my time is. And um, in the beginning, it was really difficult because when I was in grad school, that's your only job is to write, right? I could write for entire days. Um, and then, of course, I didn't because you're young and you just want to go out and live, right? <laughs> <laughs> but now, um, but yeah, now I'm really good at kind of finding those kind of slips of time, right, during the day to jot things down and, and then and then put them together. Yeah. Right. I just, just out of curiosity, I want to ask, because, you know, when, when people talk about, um, you know, meditating or just like finding that downtime for yourself. And sometimes a lot of times people say journaling is a mm-hmm. great way to do that. Uh, as someone who doesn't journal, I'm just curious, like, how do you, because when you said, you know, the first thing you do was, you know, when you wake up, you do a little yoga and then you just jot down your thoughts how does that work? Like, do you just like sit down and then just whatever comes to mind, mm-hmm. you just write down like however you're feeling. Like, yeah, that's a really good question. So I have a, I have a little <laughs> because I'm like, can you just like teach us how to do this? Yeah, because you know, I'm just, yes. I'll just sit down and I'll be like, I don't know what to write. Mm-hmm. Like, I can write down my tasks for the day, but yeah. I don't think as a practice for me at least, I I don't know how to do that. Like in terms of just like really journal, and I yeah. think. I think the reason, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think a little bit of the reason is like that vulnerability of mm. like just being honest with mm-hmm. how you feel mm-hmm. and then like putting those feelings down. You're basically putting your feelings down yeah. on paper. Yeah. Yeah. Vulnerability is a huge part of it. Um, but so I have a trick for you. Um, and you actually instinctually, without even knowing um, what this trick is, you kind of talked about it. So. If you feel like, quote unquote, I don't know what to write, right? Um, start by what you have to do. Like write down a list. Mm-hmm. What, do you, what do you have to do today, mm-hmm. right? Um, or start by, you know, describing where you are, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm sitting at my desk. It's cold and rainy today. And um, that reminds me I need to go, you know, put on some water for, for tea, you know, and then, um, and then things will start to come, right? Um, the other trick I do, and I do this um, a lot with like workshops, is um, set a timer just for 10 minutes. 10 minutes is not a long time, okay? And what you do is just keep your pen moving. And even if that means... Like drawing, like yeah, doodling. Yes, and I do that too. Like I, I'm a huge kind of believer in doodling, right? And if you don't know how to doodle, it's not about like being an artist, right? It's, yeah. You just draw a spiral, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I know you practice yoga, right? Yeah, like, you yeah. know, like when you're drawing the spiral, it really slows your breathing. Yeah. And, and things start to percolate to the top, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And then just go with it. No one's going to see it, right? It's not for anybody. Um, and honestly, I, there are so many entries I never read ever again mm-hmm. um, because it's, purpose has already been served right right right. um 
Yeah. Okay, cool. You just gave me another idea for a potential workshop we could do together. Oh. But that's a side conversation. <laughs> You're full of ideas. I'm, <laughs> I want to stay on top of our topic here. So I'm just going to bring us back to talking about um, homecoming and the challenges, uh, you know, and you did talk about those things, but I, I do want to touch point on um, working with your brother and your parents. Mm. Was I mean, you mentioned the language was something earlier. Was there anything else? Uh, and how, I mean, obviously communication is key in terms of giving each other space and understanding how to work with each other and yeah. all that fun stuff. I know. <laughs> and it's so, I, I feel like it's such a, um, it depends on the family, right? Definitely. So I will say that, um, so my dad has retired, um, and my brother's taken over, and I help my brother. My brother and I are really, really different in our kind of, our styles. He's, um, like growing up, he was more science-minded, he was very um, logical, um, incredibly bright and sharp, whereas I'm more kind of like, you know... I don't know. I do yoga and I write. <laughs> you're, <laughs> I write. you're creative. <laughs> yeah. um, so it so, sounds like you guys complement each other. Yes, basically. <laughs> exactly. See, you know exactly where I'm, where I'm going. And I have to say that um, since we've started working together, my I feel the closest that I've ever felt to my brother. Mm. Um, which you know, which it's beautiful, right? And yeah. as a parent, you know, I if if one day my kids you know, send that to me about working together. I feel like that's, that's a great gift, right? Yeah. So whatever happens, happens, whatever happens kind of in the material world with the business, it's been challenging times. Everyone knows, um, we're in retail. It's, it's been super challenging, but I feel like that is, it's not irrelevant, but it's kind of secondary yeah. to, yeah. um, and like you said about communication and relationships, you know? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. And obviously it's not without its challenges, of course, you know? And I also will say that even though my parents are very, you know, they're very open-minded, um, I do think that they treat, sorry, mom and dad, but I think they do treat my brother differently than they treat me. Um, well, they come from that generation, yeah, right? So yeah. it's, it's a little inevitable. Yeah. And they're doing their best. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Like they yeah. don't mean to, but they were conditioned and raised mm -hmm. in a generation where... There's different expectations. That's, yeah, and that's yeah. what they know, right? Or yeah. that's what, yeah, that's what is expected, so to speak. <laughs> Gosh, I had all these other questions. In, <laughs> I was like, like I was like thinking of all these questions I wanted to ask. Nine years, so you know, you don't regret coming back at all, right? No, and and this is, we're gonna stay here. We're we're not leaving. Um, you know, this is not even COVID talk, right? Um, even before COVID, my husband and I we realized how freeing it was to finally know that we're home and you know the exploration that um, we talked about earlier on that that happen that that can happen on a really deep level here right here at home and um, yeah it's so interesting um, you know the kind of moment that we both realized that this is where we want to put down roots was this moment of such like it was such there's such clarity, right, mm. in that, and and you know, in a way, people always talk about being free because you don't have to be rooted to a place. Yeah, I feel the opposite. I actually feel like once we knew where our home was, that we were more free in some ways. Mm, yeah. yeah, my my dad used to say that, like, always know where your roots are. Mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so wise, right? 
I know. These are things that, you know, I think a lot about things that my parents have said to us, right, when we were growing up that then I kind of remember now as an adult and it sounds different. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 It's always in hindsight. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Our parents are wise. <laughs> well, and you are wise to your kids, right? <laughs> so... I wanted to ask before we slowly wrap up this conversation in terms of the just really briefly, you know, we talked about the business, which is textile and retail. Um, Could you kind of talk a little bit about Taiwan, right? Mm -hmm. And and that aspect of it. And you can also add in a little bit about the new, um, new late like line you're working Mm -hmm. on. Um, And then I have my last question before we we close off. Yeah. So going back to kind of your first question about, you know, homecoming and, you know, how I grew up, right, like, you know, with this westward thinking, you know, point of view, um, I feel that um, that kind of ran parallel to Taiwan's own reawakening, right, politically or otherwise, or culturally. Um, It's just a different time now, right? Not just Taiwan, but, you know, globally. Um, and Asia, maybe more specifically. So, um, so I feel like it's a really exciting time to be in Taiwan. And the family business is, you know, my dad started it. Is it is a Taiwanese brand, despite its French name. Yeah, and um, yeah exactly. <laughs> and one, a part of my job is, you know, so my mom also worked for the business for many years, and she's a collector, you know, not by trade, but by passion. Mm. And that's kind of, you know, I think that's where her talent is. Um, So she started to collect children's textiles, handmade textiles, mostly by indigenous cultures in, um, in Taiwan, in Southwest China, and Southeast Asia. So she has a collection, it's not huge, um, about 2000 articles of, you know, children's hats, bibs, you know, um, baby carrier shoes, exactly. Beautiful things that I help manage. And um, she has always, so we house this collection in our headquarters and we always encourage our designers to go and spend time with the collection, right? I mean, you know, art, textiles and, you know, collections, they need to be right communicated with in order to be kind of stay alive. So we've actually recently just launched a new brand called Yuan. Um, Y-U-A-N, and it's Yuan as in like, Yuan Yuan Guan Guan de Yuan. And it's all um, inspired by my mom's collection and all the different kind of symbols that moms used to and would um, embroider on, you know, their children's clothes, right? So for example, um, sometimes they might, you know, we see flowers, that's a very common one, but like you might see a spider, Mm -hmm. right? A spider is a motif that that shows up a lot because spiders are kind of seen as really intelligent Mm -hmm. insects. Are they insects? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm only stopping because my son is like super into, you know, different animal genome, whatever. Anyway, um, so they're super smart because they can spin webs, right? Or like the toad, um, sometimes you'll see um, on children's clothes because... Um, toads and frogs can um, they can tell the future by um, they can t- because they can they their skin can tell you what the weather's gonna be yeah. like you know so um, so yeah so we've kind of encouraged our designers to create this line of clothing for modern right children um, but with rooted in very like traditional sensibilities yeah yeah 
That's awesome. So we can like find this online, right? We can yes. Shop online. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but the um the tradition, the original collections will still be part of. This is just a spin, like a subsidiary line, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um. Lastly, mm-hmm. what advice would you give to those listening to this episode right now who could really relate to this storyline? Yeah. What advice would you tell them if they were, you know, they're listening? Whether it's, you know, they're kind of thinking like, should I move back? Or maybe it's like they did move back, but they're like really frustrated and really struggling <laughs> you know or we didn't even go into the whole like well I mean we kind of did but like those who are coming back maybe they're single or those who are coming back mm. and they're bringing their spouses back you right. know or their kids you know I mean it's a lot of decision making it's a lot of choices it's a lot of like you said earlier a lot of internal conflict mm-hmm. as well um what advice would you give them you know or mm. or any sort of encouragement or ways that you know, helps them to stay grounded in this process, to not forget who they are in the process of making this choice, you know. I feel like you just gave the advice. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's really beautiful. I have, I really don't know because I know this is disappointing to end this way, but like, you know, because it's so different for everyone and I think you put it beautifully, right? Um, I think only you know, um, you know, how you can be your truest self. Um, and only you know what kind of what situation and what context will help you and your family thrive, right? So, I really, yeah, I don't know. Okay, how about this one? Okay, any books that any, you would recommend oh. to people who could read? Do you know that maybe was in like 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 not, I was gonna say enlightenment, not enlightenment, but like was um, helpful for you, you know, uh, or when or maybe when you. You know, like when you come across certain things and you read certain books, sometimes mm. you're like, oh, that really made sense. Or like, oh, that was really cool. Like, I never thought of it that angle or, huh. um, you know, um, any books that you might recommend. Yes. Okay. I'm a huge... Besides journaling, yeah. of course. Right. <laughs> yes. I'm a huge reader. I will just say, okay, how about I'll just recommend one book that I read recent, most recently because okay. it's just on the top of my yeah, mind and it's not ne- it's not necessarily about this topic but it's called um, The Book of Form and Emptiness and it's by a writer named Ruth Ozeki. Okay. Um, I'll just leave it at that. Okay. Well, I will <laughs> include all these references and resources and links in the, um, in the bottom of the episode so people can reach out or shop for grand products um, and read this book. Awesome. Uh, so, yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time and for sharing your story with us today. Thank you so much, Jen. That's all we have time for today. Thank you for listening to Curito Connects. For more Connects content, collaborations, and discoveries set to inspire you on your own individual journey, please head to our website at www.curito.co. Until next time, stay inspired and thank you for joining us at Curito Connects.